What's up everyone? Grace and peace to you. My name is Matthew Hernandez and welcome to Reconciled Discussions, a podcast that glorifies God through the lives and stories of believers. Reconciled Discussions aims to give a platform for people in the Christian community to share their insight, expertise, testimony, or passions in a way that glorifies God and extends his kingdom. The door is open. The invitation is sent. I invite you to be a part of the show. If you have a unique topic, area of expertise, a working ministry, or specialized interest that you want to share with us, let us know. Shoot an email to reconciledscussions at gmail.com. That's reconciledscussions at gmail.com. We want to hear what God has set on your heart to share with the rest of the world. We have a really special podcast for you. I welcome Jonathan Ortiz to the show today. He's a longtime member of my church, New Life Outreach International in the Bronx, New York, and student at the Bible Institute of the Living Word Christian Church. He led the media ministry at New Life for many years and now co-leads our church's men's group. Today, he will be blessing us with some great insight as we discuss the prolific sermon, The Personality of the Holy Ghost by Charles Spurgeon. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We have a very special guest today. His name is Jonathan Ortiz. Jonathan, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Matthew, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So today we're going to be getting into an awesome topic. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the personality of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be referencing a sermon given by Charles Spurgeon. Um, Dates way back. January 21st, 1855. So let that just sit with you as we talk about it. You're going to think it's a the hottest pastor from yesterday, but no, no, no. This is, a, this is quite ancient, but it's very, very good and extremely relevant. So we're very excited uh, to get into it. So just to let all the listeners know, if you're not aware, if you don't know who he is, I'm just going to give you a quick background who Charles Spurgeon is um, and what he was all about. The Spurge. The Spurge. We could develop some nicknames here. That's that's never too late for that. So he was called the Prince of Preachers. Right, right. Prince of Preachers. I like that name. Uh, he was he was a strong figure uh, in Reformed Baptist tradition. Uh, interesting, interestingly enough, he wasn't formally educated per se, but the man had his smarts. All right, he was a very very well spoken man, and intellectual by. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, he definitely was. Um, he was very popular in his time. He even had some of his sermons, uh, they would post it in the New York Times, and they would even post it in the London Times. So just to see that crossover and how the world was willing to you know, publish something. I mean, what do, I mean that's already kind of something interesting to think about now. Can you see the New York Times publishing something from uh, our pastor? Not at all. I mean, not not because anything bad about our pastor, but the New York Times. God, no, absolutely not. Like, I think they'll be totally against it in this day and age. Right? Yeah. I, you know, funny enough, this it was like a quick, uh, like the night before Easter, I have a CNN like news app where it just gives you the news, like no like advertisements, nothing, just the just the strictness. Sometimes I, I go on, I'll check it out. 
Um, and the night before Easter, I, I opened it up, and it was an opinion section, and it said something along the lines of Easter, like, what is it? You know, mm. question mark, right? And I'm over here thinking, oh, boy, what are they about to say? Right. What shenanigans are they about to say, right? So it was about, it's about six paragraphs, and I read it. Yo, it was this guy, whoever the, I already forgot who the author was, unfortunately, it was literally the, the gospel. Wow. Like, wow. Like, the gospel. Wow. From like, CNN? From CNN. I dropped the phone and I went to Christine, who's my wife, for the listeners that don't know. I went to her, I was like, I just read the weirdest article. And she's like, well, what was it? I told her, I was like, yeah, CNN just published the gospel. Of course, it was under the opinion section, that's fine, but it was the gospel. Right. It was in there. It was like, here's why we celebrate Easter. Here's when we, we believe and in, in that Jesus rose from the dead and that he saved us from our sin and he's the way to salvation. I was like, wait, where's the catch? Right. And it wasn't. So as funny <laughs> wow. as that was, man, I thought that was that was very hilarious. So I think I think I'm uh, I'll tune into CNN now. I'll give them another try. Oh, man, <laughs> I, that was like a very rare article. So rare that I was just my socks were blown off. So Listen, if you find another one, text me, man. All right, good. Go for them. Go for them. And I hope I hope it had impact. I hope it reached people. You know, even if it was just to start a dialogue or to just, you know, get them thinking in those terms. Yeah. I hope so too. I um I'm sure it did. Um all right, so let's get into it. Um so this sermon is going to be kind of our backbone. We're going to be referencing it, but we're also going to just talk freely about our own personal experiences uh, with the Holy Spirit, um, our love for Christ, um, our faith, and um, just what, 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 what's important on this topic. Um, so one of the first parts of this, of this uh, sermon is, I thought was a, was a great question and a great point that he, uh, Charles Spurgeon emphasized, I think the longest out of the entire sermon was, what is the true and proper personality of the Holy Ghost? So what I noticed is he kept stressing, and I don't know, you know, how hard this is to believe in 2018, but he kept stressing he is a person. Right, right. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me, I mean, and this is something that we hear it, but I don't think we fully grasp it, that he's one person in the essence of the Godhead. That was his direct quote. And... One person in the essence, so in essence, who God is, they all share God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They share that same essence, those mm. same attributes. Yeah. And he is the third person of the Godhead. And I believe Spurgeon said in, that, in this particular sermon, he referred to something as, you know, he's more than just a force or a... An apparition or, mm -hmm. you know, attribute. Some, an attribute, right? Because, right. you know, I guess at the time, you know, it was thought of that the Holy Spirit was an attribute of mm -hmm. the Father and the Son, not a, a person, an actual person of the Godhead who shares in the essence and, you know, in, in the attributes, right? Yeah. So he wasn't just merely one of the attributes. He's a person of the essence who shares the attributes. So and he he my format. No, you're good. He um 
you know, he, he begins to outline this by, by pointing out the baptism of Jesus mm -hmm. when Jesus was baptized, right. how... You know, the, the Holy Spirit, although he's a spirit and, you know, we, he can't be seen by the eyes, but in the Bible, it, it, it describes how he clothed himself as a dove. Right. And descended, mm -hmm. you know, as a dove in that moment. So, you know, he had, he had personhood in the sense that God the Father, we hear his voice. God the Son, Jesus, was being baptized in the water. Right. And then the Holy Spirit descended as a dove and that speaks to their the three persons and they're not just God the Father at one point and then he'll turn into God the Son and then he'll turn into God the Holy Spirit right you know he right there with, with this verse and with what he was saying you know recognizing them as one of the persons of the Trinity dispels you know, any, any type of modalistic or modalism, you know, any, any type of modalistic view, you know, that might, some people might have, meaning that God the Father will, you know, he'll manifest as God the Son when he needs to be God the Son, and they will manifest into the Holy Spirit when he needs to be the Holy Spirit, and that verse right there, all three of them are present, so right. there's no turning into one or the other, they're all there, they're all three individual persons, Right. Of the same essence of God. And how profound is that? That all three are eternal. Yeah. All three have no beginning. They have no end. They were there from the beginning to the end. They are the Almighty. All three, you know, are eternal. But there in the setting of the baptism, they're all three there. Right. On a present day in history. Right. Like in reality, they chose this day to all reveal themselves together in a point in time. Meanwhile, they're eternal. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it's, a, it's an extremely important uh, event, such as the baptism of, of Jesus. Um, but nonetheless, it just, it's almost mind-blowing when you think that three eternal uh, beings and one God manifested themselves in, at one point in history, you know? And in the, they're in the picture together. So that always blows my mind um, to see all three in one... Uh, one point in time so um one thing i liked was that he was talking about the difficulties people have um you know understanding that the holy spirit is a person um but how easy it is to think god is a person or jesus is a person um so he says i can realize jesus the son of man as a real person because he is bone of my bone flesh of my flesh and god i can conceive of him as a person because he uh, because I behold his whole operation. You look at creation. You look at the perfection of, of how life just goes and, and how people live and, and births and deaths. And you know God is there. But what do you think some of the difficulties are for people to grasp the person that is the Holy Spirit? Well, I think one of the, one of the difficulties and, I mean, for me personally, is like, you know, we, we tend to overlook him. Yeah. You know, because it's always, you know, God, God the Father, Jesus, God the Son. You know, the Holy Spirit is kind of like, you know, he's, people tend to overlook him. And, you know, in, in, in this particular sermon that we're talking about, you know, Spurgeon did, he did a pretty good job in, in pointing out that he is the person because right. he, 
he shows like different appearances that he makes and when they refer to him they refer to him having qualities as of a person like right. in first corinthians 2 9 it says that he has understanding mm. you know like he understands and you can grieve the holy spirit right so you know you can grieve you know a, a person so he has those qualities he has those abilities to be grieved right. he has that you know you can you can quench the holy spirit so i say you know there's, there's the verse that says you know do not quench the holy spirit don't you know don't stop him don't you know even though ultimately we can't stop him but right you know by our resisting him and his influence and god's gonna have his way by hook or by crook but right you know if you resist him yeah you know maybe in that point in time is, is gonna quench you know it's gonna quench what he's doing mm -hmm. but you know that ultimately has its purpose as well uh, you touched on it that, uh, you know, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit and, um, and other aspects that how we connect with the Holy Spirit. But that's, you know, that's a, that sometimes is a hard thing to do. And, but one of the things that I found a lot of encouragement in was, was in Romans 15, 13. He refer, uh, Charles Spurgeon referenced that verse um, and to, to kind of express how the Holy Spirit abounds believers in hope. So uh, Romans fifteen thirteen reads, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, <coughs> excuse me, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, we're human beings, we go through tough times, things are difficult, uh, things can be exceptionally great, and things can be exceptionally hard. But here it is. How do we how do we abound to hope? It's through the Holy Spirit, right? It's like he he empowers us to be able to hope, you know, to have that hope. Like we was talking before the show, before we went on the air, how we was talking about you know you go through hard times and yeah, those hard times will you know it's gonna test your metal and it's gonna it's gonna show you what you're made of. Are you gonna yeah. turn to God? Right and put your, your trust and your faith and your hope in him right. or is it, are you going to turn away <coughs> you know and uh, try to figure things out on your own you know it's, it's through the Holy Spirit that you know you would turn to God you know because it's only through the Holy Spirit that we even come to know God to even want to know God you know what I'm saying like right. it's the work of the Holy Spirit that actually quickens you Quicken, that's an old word. In fact, that's a, that's a Spurgeon word. It's <laughs> a benefit. You could drop a 200-year-old word. <laughs> that's, a, that's the benefit of listening to a 200-year-old or 150-year-old's uh, uh, sermon. You get, you get an old word, you throw it out at work, people are like, wow. Yeah, right. Did Jonathan just say quickens? Right, right, right. It, you know, it, the, the spirit quickens you. Basically, he he's the one who calls you. Right. So quickening is a calling. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so... Yeah. We are quickened by the Spirit. We're called by the Spirit. So it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can even have this idea that, wow, I need God. Mm -hmm. You know? Because without it, you know, the Bible says we are in an enmity to God, mm -hmm. you know, before. Yeah. You know, so how can we how can we choose to want to love God or be with God if it's not the Spirit working in us, calling us, you know, empowering us to want to know him and to want to believe in him in the first place right you know so you know the holy spirit does a lot of heavy lifting on earth definitely definitely in that first section um 
he also talks a little bit about the unity of the Godhead. Now, you know, it's common it's common sense and it's logical that if they are if they are the three in one God, if they are the triune God, then of course there will be unity. But <clears throat> it is the understanding of the unity that helps us as believers to further understand that that is a that it that's a triune God, you know, because you have to see their unity and when it came to uh so so the the sermon mainly used uh john chapter 14 verses like 16 through 18 that was kind of the meat and potatoes of the whole entire um sermon so i just thought it was just i never i i once you know i i, I sometimes find myself uh searching out all the revealments that there is a triune god that it is the father son and the holy spirit and it's all it's all over the scriptures and this was one i didn't i didn't really i've never seen in the past and i didn't i mean i've seen it but i didn't uh grasp it as such so in john chapter 14 verse 16 uh jesus is telling his disciples they just left the upper room or they're in the upper room rather and um he tells them and i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever <clears throat> so this is we're going to kind of camp out on this uh, verse and a couple verses around it, but we're going to camp out on this verse to get through a lot. But this demonstrates the unity. Think about who Jesus is to say what he will tell God the Father, and then he knows what God will do because God will send you another advocate, and then how Jesus can say in that present moment, and that advocate will be with you forever. He signed treaties on all parties. Right in one sentence right right so it's, it, it shows it shows they're all in one the same but they're all in fellowship with each other mm -hmm. you know and the three the three distinct persons are in fellowship with each other because jesus is saying just like you said i'm gonna tell the father i'll pray and tell the father mm -hmm. you know to what is it, to, to send you a helper yeah, yeah, helper, advocate, helper. You know, yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna tell the father <laughs> to send you a helper, and he, you know, he's gonna do it because I told him to. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Basically, right. He's gonna do it. I got it like that. You know, me and him, we tight. <laughs> right. And he's gonna right. send the helper. And you know what I'm gonna tell? I'm gonna tell you, the helper he's gonna send, he's gonna be with you forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you what the helper's gonna do as well, cause right. I got juice with the helper as well. Like you know, I know him too. <laughs> You know, so it's yeah. It's like what the Bible says. How can how can how can two how can two walk together if they're not in agreement? Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it's you know Jesus models this right. He models that right there. You know he's in agreement with the Father and with the Spirit. I mean they're all one, but they're three distinct persons. And again, you know in that verse right there, he's is all three being mentioned mm -hmm. at the same time. So he's not saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray. And when I become the father, I'm going to send the helper. Then I'm going to become the helper. You know, it's like it dispelling that, that, you know. The, it's continuous. There's no, there's yeah. no disconnection. Right. So he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell the father. Right. And the father's going to send the helper. Then the helper is going to be with you forever. And then the helper's going to be with you forever. That shows that the helper, the Holy Spirit, has that attribute of God, of eternal. 
So it shows that he shares their attribute. So he is God as well. One of the three. In mm -hmm. essence. The same essence. They have the same attributes. Right. You know, they're in fellowship together. They can vouch for one another. Right. With authority. And anyway, you know, and all authority was given to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he has the authority to make these claims. And he has the authority to tell you what the Spirit is going to do. And what he's going to tell the Father. And what the Father's going to do. You know, on the strength of that. And then it just shows that the Spirit itself is God. You know? Right. It's... it's when you really get into it and, un and unpack, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I love I love reading the Bible, and you know, and it's, it's it really is a living word because every time you read it and every time you you study, it just I it mean, just it's, it's unpacks. Your it's yeah. your life, right? Yeah. Like you may be going through something in your life where you need to hear what it is to have hope, right? Or you may be going through something in your life where you need to hear what it is to have discipline. Or you may need to hear a time in your life where you need to know about obedience or something of that nature. And here you have this verse and, and maybe at this point in our life we're digging to just bring out the truths of the word. Because obviously you can get a lot of misrepresentation and, and, and bad theology out there that can make things really cloudy. So maybe we're at this point in our life where it's like, man, this, you know, John 14 just really popped out to me like, Yes, you could read the words on the page and, and you could get a lot from that, but when you actually just think about it and just try to dissect the actual, the indications of this sentence and the indications of this attitude, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. I want to take it to um, the next section of his sermon. So he, he talks about the personality of the Holy Spirit and he also talks about the united agency of the glorious three persons in the work of our salvation. That's not something I could make up or, or write myself. That's quoted from Spurgeon himself. So obviously what are, are you know, we're believers and as believers we're called to be uh, act to, to attain and to be uh, to live according to the attributes of God and the attributes of Christ. So how do you see that connection of salvation and our call to be Christ-like? Um, and how do you see that mixing with something where he mentions like Genesis 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, the simple understanding of let us make man in our own image. How do you think God creating man in our own image, meaning the, the triune God's image, and how do you think that relates to our salvation? If that question makes any sense. <laughs> That's a good question, man. Uh, I mean, I remember when I first got saved, I thought when God said, let's make them in our image, it was physical. Right. And, you know, I, I, I come to understand now that it's not so much physical, I mean, because God is immaterial. Mm. So he doesn't have a physical form. Right. But I think it was more of a, a spiritually and and even moralistically, like, you know, to follow, to follow, you know, his, his design. And in regards to our salvation, I mean, for us to be made in the image of Christ, to be crucified with him and mm. to be, you know, resurrected with him yeah. in his image. And it's the Holy Spirit. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is regeneration. And that works in us. You know, the, from the minute that we get 
justification. Right. For the minute we get justified, we begin regeneration. So we become more and more made in the image of Jesus. Right. So that's that's how I would see that and I connect that. Mm -hmm. And you know, like you said in the beginning, you know, he said, "Let's make him, let's make man in our image." Right. You know, so he's referring. He, He's referring to, you know, more than one. He's not, I'm not going to make it in my image. Right. And, you know, and y'all too, you know, y'all make your own, y'all make your own people. Right. And let's make it in our image, in the unity, in fellowship, in, you know, in that design, mind, body, spirit, soul. It, there's a connection. And I think that point in Genesis 1.26, I think, is a Obviously, it's a big deal, but it is a big deal because we know as Christians we're called to be Christ-like. We know we're called according to His image and uh, we're called according to God's purpose. But rarely do I ever hear that I am to be, let's say, encouraging like the Holy Spirit is encouraging or uh, uh, comforting like the Holy Spirit is comforting or um, maybe seek wisdom as the Holy Spirit gives. You know, like I think there's a lot of attributes... Uh, of the Holy Spirit that I don't always find myself praying like I want to be more like the Holy Spirit. Right. Right? Like I'll sit there and I will pray, God help me to be more like Christ. Help me to, to love others. You know, help me to help my fellow neighbor. Help me to um, speak truth when it's needed. Help me to just be selfless and serve things we know Jesus did. Right? But I can sit here right now on this podcast, episode number one. I've never prayed, God, help me to be more like the Holy Spirit. Never. You think that's like a fundamental error? You think I'm missing out? You think that's, okay, that's that's not a bad thing? What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I don't think I'm the only one. Uh, maybe I am, but I don't know. I mean, from my understanding, is we are supposed to be more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be more like Christ and does the work in us too make us more like Christ. I see. The Holy Spirit is to point us, to direct us to the Son. Mm. The Son shows us the Father. Again, that's, you know, all three of them working together. That's, you know, what's going on right mm. now. So it's the Spirit who, you know, He's doing His work in us, so He's pointing us to the Son. I see. So it's His work, you know, the, regenera the regeneration, the sanctification, you know, the the counseling, the helping, right. the the encouraging, you know, the convicting. Because mm -hmm. when we feel conviction, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, convicting us. Right. Not not shaming us, but convict. We know there's a difference between the two, right? You know. Lay it out. We'll, we'll, all right. We'll lay so it out. So conviction is, you know, when you do something wrong. Uh-huh. Or wrong is such a, you know. You did something wrong, like you know. That's such a like you know a general. Right, but let's right, say right, you right. know you you did, you committed a sin, and not even like no big, you know, blatant sin. You looked at something you wasn't supposed to look out for something too long. Right, right. You know, a, a pretty young lady walks by. We're gonna use that example. You know, a pretty young lady walks by, and you know, you take a glance at her, and in your heart, you know, you like like wow, like you know, she's awesome, or whatever the case where it is, and you know, your mind goes there. Even, you know, and it lingers there for longer than you should. And right there, you know, like, oh, man, let me, you know, let me turn away. I feel, you know, I feel the conviction. 
basically the Holy Spirit is, you know, working in you, letting you know, like, you know, you, you know you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, turn away from that. Come on. You know, let's get back on track. Let's, right. let's refocus. You know, that conviction to let you know that, you know, right from wrong. Right. You know, in today's world, you know, a lot of people got a problem with right and wrong. There is like no such way. thing as right. right and wrong, you know. But, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you conviction. You know, the Holy Spirit does not condemn you. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not condemnation. So if you ever do, do something and you did slip and you did fall into a sin and, you know, you, you looked at a, a nice-looking young lady for too long and your mind lingered on something that it shouldn't have... And if, you know, you start getting this feeling that's like, ah, oh, you stupid, ah, oh, you did it again, mm. ah, this, that, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. No, there, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, you know, come against that right there, you know, in prayer, just come to, to God right there, ask for the forgiveness. But that condemnation is not coming from the Holy Spirit. You know, guilt and condemnation don't, aren't from God. So that's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Boom. You know? So, yeah. it's nice. I put you on the spot, man. I think you did pretty well with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. You know, that was good. You, uh, you know, you're throwing Clayton, Ker Clayton Kershaw curveballs. Man, no kidding. <laughs> I tried to give him a warning earlier. I was like, hey, I might throw you a curveball, but I, didn't, I, didn't think he was, I don't think he was expecting to, to discuss the difference between condemnation and, uh, and conviction. Conviction. Look at I'm, I'm already forgetting. So, I want to kind of switch gears here. One, uh, Charles, uh, in, the, in the sermon, Charles Spurgeon used this really awesome illustration of heaven. Um, he used this really great illustration of how, what, what, what we could probably imagine the Holy Spirit is doing in, in, in places we can't see and in ways we don't understand. Uh, he gave this image of heaven that the Son, and speaking of Jesus, is standing before the throne with outstretched hands, crying day and night, O Lord, how long? And the Father is is sitting in the throne, and he says we should not see him, or rather, uh, Charles Spurgeon said we shouldn't see God as a listless and idle spectator of the intercession of the Son, but we should see him with attentive ear, listening to every word of Jesus and granting every petition. So now he speaks about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in heaven and what he's doing in the eternal, and he says he is floating over the earth, and when he sees a weary soul, he says, "Come to Jesus." He will give you rest. How does that image and that illustration just sit with you um, in your heart and just in your mind? Again, going back to how they're working together. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit points us to the Son. The Son shows us the Father. Holy Spirit, like Charles, and to use Charles Spurgeon's words, he's hovering over the earth. Mm -hmm. And when he sees... You know, uh, uh, a believer, or he sees somebody in anguish and agony, and he says, listen, you know, turn to the Son, turn to Jesus. He's pointing them to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. You know, he, he will, you know, he will give you, he'll give you the rest. You know, Jesus in, in, in the gospel says, you know, take my yoke, it's light. Right. You know, and, and Jesus is the one that's there, like he says, standing before the throne, saying, listen, don't forget, Jonathan. Don't forget, Matt. I know they did this or the third. Don't forget your promise to them. You promised if they would believe and confess that I am king, that I am God, that I am Lord, that I resurrected right. and I died for them, that my work is sufficient. My work that I did on the cross is sufficient. 
you would remember them. You know, you would save them. You would spare them. And, oh, man, I think it's in, I know it's in the Old Testament. Forgive me, y'all, because I, I forgot where it was. But it, it there's a verse somewhere in the Old Testament that it it gives a description of God kneading over. He's like, basically like crouching in, in the throne and like cupping his ear to hear, mm. to hear the pleas, to hear, you know, and it says that he... I think I got you, Jonathan. Psalm 116 verse 2, the beauty of the internet. Says beautiful. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Is that that is that in the neighborhood? It's in the neighborhood. Okay. It's in the neighborhood because you know different translations use different words. So, but yeah, right. he's he's leaning over, he's kneading over, intentively, listening. You know, so it's just a reflection of of the three of them working mm -hmm. together. Right. You know, it's like it's it's like they're, you know, it's like a, a triple team tag team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they they body slamming sin. <laughs> <laughs> like an unfair fight well, all right don't they say you know any fight uh with god is an unfair fight yeah something like that like there's a saying that that says something to that effect yeah 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 it's always unfair with uh jesus on your side it's always unfair fight um so this was something i think uh we kind of were talking about in the car uh we're riding over here to to kind of you know to record this uh, podcast we we're talking about his uh, towards the end of the sermon, he starts to talk about the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in souls and uh, uh, in believers. So he, he made this distinction, and I guess we could kind of get back to what we spoke about in the car. Where he makes this distinction that the first two things in terms of uh, the, the theology or the, the, the truth of the Trinity and how all three are essential to our salvation, he, he, he describes as those first two things have been matters of pure doctrine. And this is the subject of experience in reference to the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Now, we both know that it's also doctrine, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. right? We both know that that is doctrine as well. But what do you think, why do you think he, he went on to say that this is experiential? Well, from what the impression that I got and what I gathered from listening to the sermon... He gave the example, and we spoke about this in the car. He gave the example of uh, it was a doctor mm. with uh, a Christian. And so the doctor apparently, you know, he's not a believer. And he was questioning the Christian. And he was like, can you see the Holy Spirit? And the Christian said, no, I can't. Can you taste the Holy Spirit? Right. No, I can't. Can you smell the Holy Spirit? No, I can't, you know, referring to the different senses. Right. So the doctor asks the Christian, so what can you do? The Christian refers, I could feel him. Mm. I feel him. So, you know, the doctor goes on to say, well, you know, out of the five senses, all you got is feel. That's, you know, one against four. That's not a real good, you know, that's, that's not a real good odds. Right, right. So then the Christian turns back and he says, well... You're a doctor, so what do you feel about pain? Can you taste pain? Doctor says no. Can you smell pain? The doctor says no. Can you see the pain? The doctor says no. He goes, so, but you feel the pain. Mm. 
And the doctor says, yeah, you feel the pain. So the Christian tells the doctor, well, you know, feeling the pain is good enough. You know, you know the pain is there. You know, right. you go, you know, you got it. There's something happening there. The same is with the Holy Spirit. You know, you feel the Spirit. And, you know, you you feel the, the, the guidance. You know, you know he's working in you because you might say things or do things that, you know, in your own understanding, you might not have done it. He Then he makes examples of when Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. You know, it was under the guise of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was guiding his hand uh, when... Well, some of the other examples. I know you uh, you had mentioned some examples too. Cause I know the authority you... of Daniel when he spoke. Right. Um, Peter uh, when he spoke uh, about eating things that are unclean. Don't call anything unclean when he was able to present that um, with authority. That after his vision. Right. Um, that, right. That he had that authority. That only the Holy Spirit was able to guide him to not only give him the vision, but then to understand it. And right. realize that, oh, oh man, Christianity is about to go right. to the Gentiles. And yeah, and prepare <laughs> him to take it to, to right. Cornelius, right? Yes. To yes, Cornelius, mm -hmm. you know? And right, so it's, it's through the empowerment and, you know, we feel it. And I, I think, uh, you know, and he, always, he also wanted to make us use that, that good word. What was the, the good word that you used when we was in the call? I got a couple good words. <laughs> But it literally a couple. I got one. I got one and two. Which you one, one you want? The first one or the second one? The one we was talking about um, on the drive over here when when we were talking about how you know it's the feeling, and um, like you know we know like that we were saying that you know it's not so much like how today a lot of a lot of things are based on feeling and tangible. Tangible. I went to college, bro. Amen. Thank they God. They gave me a degree. And a, and a flashcard that said, here's, a, here's one word, man. Use it a few times. Tangible, <laughs> right? It's applicable. <laughs> but, um, but no, you know, it's, it's, it's tangible. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a tangible thing. Like, you know, you well, feel is it. it. Though? Do you think it's tangible? I, the, what I was saying is I don't think it's tangible. Mm. That it's, it's, you can't touch it. Okay, right. You right, can't. Right, like, okay. that was the, that was, yeah, no, yeah. But that was the point. Was like it's not tangible, although to the one experience, experiencing it is real. It is tangible. Yeah. It's just in a in the outside perspective, in the third party, it's not. Right, right. Because there's no there's no physical evidence for it, so to say, you know, and right. So he was talking. That's the indwelling. That's you know the leading of the spirit. You right. know we know. Like he said, uh, he also gave another example of of a hand. How you know it's the hand that he compels you to turn your hand away before touching something or grabbing something. Right, right. And he gave that example as right. well in the in, in his sermon. sermon. Yeah. So here's the challenge then, right? So like I said, most of this sermon and most of the study is based off of uh, John chapter 14. Kind of verses 16, only 16 through 17, a little bit of it. No, pretty much 15 through 17. So in the last uh, verse there, verse 17, is when we learn a little bit more about what this means to the rest of the world. So verse 17 reads, The Spirit of Truth, uh, the world cannot accept Him because it, is, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He li lives with, he with you and will be in you. So... This brings the million dollar question that I, I expect a complete answer 
100% correct from you, Jonathan. Why does man reject the Holy Spirit? And I want you to make sure you give a once and for all. No, I'm just kidding. But th- this is the hard time. The, the, the final word ever in 2,000 <laughs> years of, of Christianity. The final word. Here it is tonight on, the, on our show. So why does man reject the Holy Spirit? Obviously, this isn't the final word on why man Amen. rejects the Holy Spirit, but it starts off with, with you know what we what we spoke about what we spoke about a little bit earlier is you know we without even the quickening of the Spirit to call us is we don't mm. even know God we don't even have desire to know God mm. so you know without the Spirit working in us to begin with we don't we have no desire to know Him. Right. You know, we don't have we don't have an inclination to know him or to to want him. And also, like we said, it's it's not tangible, it's beyond our senses. We can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't taste it, mm-hmm. we can't measure it. You know, and, and man man is, you know, he's he's very vain. He wants to we want to we want to know it and we want to see it and touch it and and, and feel it and have it. Right. You know, and, and with the Holy Spirit, we don't. He's, you know, he's beyond our senses. Right. But yet, he still, we can still feel him and we can still understand him. And I think uh, that speaks to his personhood. Right. Because he can only be understood. And this is a quote from Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit can only be understood upon the, suppos- the supposition that he is a person. See, I had to quote Spurgeon because I wasn't going to take credit for that word <laughs> supposition. That's, That's you know, that was one of them college words they it's gave another you, right, college Matt? Word. Yeah, 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 it's one of them. It's one of those certificates they gave you. <laughs> that was number two. <laughs> that was number two. First All right. was tangible. And second, second was supposition. Yeah, thank God you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. I think I think that is a big part of it. Is the the flesh-driven aspect of man and kind of how man is kind of vain and wants things in his hand. I agree. I agree 100%. However, one thing that stood out, and I actually didn't say it too clearly when I was reading verse 17, um, because it requires you to read a portion of verse 16 to make it sound like a complete sentence, so I'm going to do that. So again, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever dash the spirit of truth then he goes on to say the world cannot accept him um because it neither sees him or knows him so that section there where it says neither sees him or knows him is exactly what you're saying man can't grasp it man doesn't want to deal with it because it's not uh immediately beneficial or uh, it's not going to get them any gain in their life right in terms of finances or things that are tangible but the thing that caught me in the first was it's the spirit of truth and I have found I'm now still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm maturing still. But as I grow into adulthood, I find that even in adulthood, people don't want to know the truth. It'll be staring them in the face. It'll be right there. I work in a hospital for those don't, that don't know. And, um, you know, when you make mistakes at a hospital, it's not pretty. All right. There's a lot of consequences. Um, sometimes it can be financial consequences sometimes it could be life the life a well-being or even the life of somebody and um we run into those problems people make mistakes things happen 
And I've myself have sat in very uh, informal meetings with people. Uh, there are formal meetings for these things that the state and the you know those who license hospitals have this uh, requirement. But in my in my role, I'm a physical therapist. Sometimes I find myself in informal meetings, and we have a problem on our hands that have been as bad as near death, and we see the truth smacking us right in the face of why this happened and maybe who's at fault or multiple people whom are at fault and it is astounding to me how those that are responsible and in and, and have some ownership to this issue refuse to take it they refuse to know the truth they will live in the in a lie they will live in a fallacy of reality in order to not take any blame responsibility truth that's just a very specific i don't know it was just on my heart to share that mm -hmm. but it was it was a testament to me that people don't want the truth and with the holy spirit goes hand in hand is the truth and uh i i i feel like that is the initial uh and if it's not the initial it comes later on down the line when people learn more about the holy spirit people learn more about god there's that truth factor that causes disinterest or even hostility. What, what do you make of that? Have you experienced things like that? Oh yeah, I, I feel that's, that's our, as man, as human, that's, that's our sinful nature, because that's our nature. Right. Again, that, that's piggybacking off what we said earlier, is that we don't, even, we don't even have a desire to even know God or to want to know anything about God until that the Spirit quickens us, until the Spirit calls us, mm -hmm. until the Spirit starts to work in us. You know, uh, the, the, ah, oh, there's, there's a phrase, I, it's, it escaped me right now, but, you know, so we don't even know, so we don't want to know the truth because we're, we're happy with our lies or, right. you know, we want to make up our own truth. Right. You know, we. Something convenient. Something convenient or something that flatters our intelligence or, you know, and a lot got to do with, with submission as well. Mm. You know, truth, because the truth is God is sovereign. God is king. God will have his way by hook or by crook, whether you like it or not. And I think mankind has a problem with that. Man wants to be their own God. You know, they want to be their own, you know, they want to set their own standard of truth. That's why, you know, every so often popular opinion, cultural opinion changes. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years ago, a lot of the stuff that's going on nowadays in 2018 was considered bad, wrong, immoral. Now it's celebrated and you have to accept it. You know, truth, the standard of truth changes. Right. Because we, we're, we're, we're fallible. Mm -hmm. So our standard goes up and down. But God's standard doesn't change. It's immutable. Amen. And the spirit of truth, he's the spirit of truth because, you know, he's, he's leading us to God's word, to God, Amen. you know. God's word is the truth. There is a, and we're not advertising nobody else here, but you know you know who Ben Shapiro is, right? You never heard of Ben Shapiro? I have not. No? No. Ben Shapiro is, uh, he's, he's an Orthodox uh, Jew, and uh, can, I, can I even say Jew? He's Jewish, Orthodox <laughs> Jewish. I'm sorry, no offense. As of right now, we have two listeners, me <laughs> and you. <laughs> But he does, um, you know, he got, a, he got a show called The Daily Show. And, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's from your hometown. 
right. he's from LA, yeah. oh, and okay. he's um, you know, he's he's very he's very conservative, and but he's fond of saying facts do not care about your feelings. Mm. The truth doesn't care about how we feel. It's right. true, right. and you know, and I think in this world that we live in, you know, especially if I'm going to say with, with this kind of like postmodern kind of uh, philosophy that's really infiltrated, you know, everything from popular culture to politics, right. it's like, you know, there's, not, there's nothing wrong. There's no absolute truth. There's no right, absolute right, wrong. Right, right, it's, right. Everybody's right. Everything's okay. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? That's, yeah. So I, I think especially with that type of frame of mind, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, God, the Holy Spirit. Why? <laughs> That's wrong. There's nothing wrong. If it's good for me, it's good for me. If it's true for me, it's true for you. Right, right. Like, right. you know, that that type of that type of thinking. So I, I think it comes against that. I think it comes against um, you know, just man. Yeah. I think at the crux, at the heart of it, is just man's sinful nature. Our rebellion. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I completely agree, and I, I like the way you put that. You know, at kind of at the core of it, what it what it what it comes down to. So, some closing thoughts. Um, what we kind of went through a lot, and I give really I give great credit to us, man. I feel like we were on task. I feel like we were semi moderately focused. This was fantastic. I'm pretty impressed with the way we kind of set this up. Praise God. Amen. Now that we look back on what, what we got the opportunity to speak about, um, what follows for believers and what follows for unbelievers in this sense? Like just a, a quick summary of, you know, what is what is this what is this what does a believer do with this? And what does the unbeliever do with this? As far as me, as far as me being a believer, what I'm gonna do with this is I'm going to I'm I'm going to uh, as best I can ask the Holy Spirit to give me application mm. of what we learned and of his work mm -hmm. a better understanding of who he is and who and what he's doing in salvation what he's doing in us what he's doing to us and what he's doing through us and the purpose of that doing you know to ultimately bring glory to God for an unbeliever well I would I would I would strongly recommend that you seek out some good Christian counseling and, you know, ask, ask about, you know, this Jesus and ask about this Holy Spirit and ask about this God the Father and seek him. You know, uh, like it says, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah where it says, you know, seek me while I'm still able to be found. Amen. Time is running short, y'all. Like time <laughs> yeah. is running out. You know, this can't be a Christian podcast if we don't do, you know, some type of <laughs> evangelism, some type of evangelism. <laughs> you know, time's running out. Time Amen. is short. You know, the days, the days are growing more wicked. You know, every passing day, seek him, seek him while he's still able to be found. But there'll come a day when, and another thing the Holy Spirit does, just real quick to mm -hmm. piggyback on that. The Holy Spirit is actually keeping the enemy at bay. Mm -hmm. That's what another thing he's doing. He's keeping the enemy at bay because if not, the, the devil would have been, you think he's running rampant now. He really would be running rampant. There's going to come a day when the spirit's not going to be here. 
when they take the, when he you know when he raptures the church and they take the spirit when Jesus raptures the church and they you know and the spirit is gone from the earth then then it's going to hit the fan right so right. you know seek him while he's still able to be found Amen. you know don't let don't let your pride get in the way don't don't let your unbelief get in the way don't let your you know don't let your idols of self and you know pleasure and whatever else that you you worship in whether you want to admit it or not get in the way amen well we we hope that what we shared today is encouraging to our listeners we hope that it brings uh people just closer to god we we pray that these words are are, are a powerful uh, light in in the darkness and we just hope people enjoy uh what they heard today so I just thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Jonathan Ortiz, for being on the show. Right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, since I did such a good job, I, I would like to get invited back, hopefully, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> the Postal Service has been having trouble sometimes. Invitations get lost. Don't be worried if you don't see it for a little while. <laughs> don't hold my breath. No, no. Without a doubt, we're going to have you back, man, because this was too much fun, and it was too good. So thank you for everyone who listened, and God bless. Amen.